As we continue in the Holy Scriptures, let's turn together to the prophet Isaiah and to chapter 61 of his prophecy. opening uh, verses of this prophecy are the very words that Christ spoke when he commenced in his public ministry. And uh, what a wonder to understand that our Savior fulfilled the very words that were spoken some 800 years and some before uh, he commenced in his public ministry. So the word of God reads to us thus, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, 
So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. God's word, Isaiah 61. Again, while the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. We thought it appropriate to close the year with the beautiful confession that we begin with in the Heidelberg Catechism from Lord's Day 1 and its first question and answer, page 872. Very personal question with a personal answer. A question that we might say comes to the center of our hearts and the center of our lives. This is the question. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And this is the answer. That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has delivered me from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Amen to that beautiful, beautiful confession. May the Lord so add his blessing as we give consideration to great assure a great blessing of of the strengthening comfort of our lord beloved congregation of our lord and savior jesus christ yes we come to year-end and anticipate in a few hours moving into a new year, the year of our Lord, 2024. It's important for us to step back and give some thought as to what has gone past and what we may anticipate in, what, in days to come. It's important that we take stock of our great need. And that great need in this veil of tears, we might say, is comforts. That is, that we need the strength of the Lord in order that we may be ready for the world to come. The strength of the Lord so that we might be found faithful and fruitful as his children 
As we view the swirling changes, the changing tides all around us, morally, politically, social trends, we look to the heavens for the strength that we need to remain a people convicted by the truth. Now, the comfort that we are speaking of, that the Catechism sets before us, is, of course, much different than the comfort that our society strives for. We live in a society that, that does crave for comfort. On one hand, you might say, well, people are, are, are lusting for the latest gadget, for this or that, uh, and not only uh, for a, a comfortable lifestyle, but even comfort within such a lifestyle and people will talk even about comfort foods which is more often than not junk food and we have sadness for the world that we live in for there in our society at large is very little of true comfort and it is our confession again this afternoon that true comfort can be received only by belonging to Jesus Christ and our own nation knows very little and less and less of seeking a comfort that craves for the strengthening grace of God's precious covenant promises that's what you and I are called to crave for a comfort that seeks the strengthening grace of God's precious covenant promises. Even amongst believers, it is sometimes to be feared that there's not enough desire for the nourishment of God's Word, which results in a growing desire for the fellowship of God and worship and amongst His people. In the church at large, you, you notice some of the trends, you notice some of the liturgical practices, the focus becomes very horizontal. And perhaps also amongst us, even outside of worship, there is far too much of the desire for, for the worldly comfort. But as one Bible teacher put it, also in the church, people are to think of life not as a playground, but as a battlefield, a battleground. There are too many who think that they are not here to fight, but to frolic. And they think we are not in a foreign land, and rather than they make themselves quite at home. While we travel this world to the next, we are always in the foreign land. And our home ultimately is our heavenly home. Believing comfort desires to roll up its sleeves for Christ's crown and for Christ's covenant, for Christ's church and for Christ's kingdom. That comfort is what we need to pray for and work for. There are so many who, who live under spiritual malnutrition because also then in the church, 
People refuse to live consciously according to the teaching of God's word. Question and answer one of the Heidelberg Catechism summarizing the word of God. It sets a context for all the questions and answers that follow. It's a very personal question and it requires from us a personal answer. If we were to count all the personal pronouns, we, we, we need to be sure that we personally know the answer to the question, what is your only comfort in life and death? And then we all have to ask ourselves, can we give that answer personally? One of the practices that I, uh, that I employ, so to speak, in the catechism classes, I would have a little class of five students in Kerwood, so when we talk about question and answer one, I, I ask them to, to insert their name as I ask each one to recite uh, the, the answer. And so then they'll start off with that I, so I'll take a little Noah in my class, that Noah, that I, Noah, am not my own, but belong body and soul to Noah's faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has paid fully for all Noah's sins. And after a while, they, they, they fall back into what's, uh, what's printed on the page. And then I say, ah, 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 your name. Is it true for you? And indeed, it has to be true for each one of us. When speaking of personal things, we are referring to subject matter that we will only speak of with those who are closest to us. But this may not be the case when we are speaking of our personal faith. As the Bible instructs us, we must always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us. Now, question uh, number one is not only a personal question, it is also a very exclusive question. By most, it would be considered to be a narrow-minded question. People today want to be able to choose different options, different routes. After all, we're a multicultural country. Diversity is good. But the believer speaks of the only comfort. In that sense, Christianity is a one-way street, a narrow road. There is none other, even though the world will speak of many roads leading to eternity. But when the believer speaks of the one pathway, the believer sets himself or herself apart from all others who, who deny the exclusivity of Christ, who deny the exclusivity of the gospel, the Christian faith. The believer recognizes the exclusive, that is the absolute claims of Jesus Christ. Those claims are unmatched by any other. They are unparalleled and unequaled in any other measure, any other message in the world. Now does that make us an arrogant people as many would allege and we say no. We're simply confessing the way that it is and that beloved must be for us a strengthening comfort. It's not in the abstract, it's well-defined. We can describe and, and, and parse out that comfort in a very clear way as we turn to Jesus and again confess what he has done for the true believer. The believer confesses, Jesus makes me belong 
to him. Jesus has paid for all my sins. Jesus protects me in my salvation. Jesus assures me, and Jesus makes me willing to serve him. The believer in humility declares, Jesus makes me belong to him. It's not what the believer does that makes him or her belong to Jesus, but what Jesus has done to make one belong to him. When we testify together as congregation, when you testify in your heart as you're driving in the car or what, hitting the hammer or whatever it may be, that, that, that you belong, that I belong, we are saying that Jesus has ownership, Jesus has authority, my body belongs to him, my soul belongs to him, I belong to him in life, I belong to him in that moment called death. I, I, I do not belong to myself, I don't belong to my own lusts and desires, I don't belong to my own ambitions, I do not belong to my own aspirations. I do not belong to the world. I do not belong to the powers and the principalities. I do not belong to demons and I do not belong to the devil. I belong to Jesus. And when we can say that congregation, as we look forward to the year at hand, then we know, then we know something about biblical comforts. All around us we see those who try to find comfort in things that are merely temporal. And we know the story of those who have been lost in alcohol and, and drugs of various sorts. Others who think that the party life will bring what is missing. And others thinking that a particular job that earns a lot of money or fame or honor or good education. Even people who hold to a sense of trust with uh, fashionable clothing. But that is, that's an illusion, is it not? If these things are the kind of comforts that we depend on, are we not living then in la-la land? Uh, some of these can even lead to discomfort and sorrow instead of comfort. And we, we know the, the horror, horror stories of, of those who, who have fallen in, in the dark despair of of seeking life in places where only death is to be found. It's an empty life. An empty life for those who think that the toys of this world gives meaning and purpose. And, and even God's gifts to us are, are not lasting. Our, our bodies are breaking down as we, we get older. We, we, we know that our time in this world is set. And we don't have to become older to know that because God can call any one of us out of this world into the next at any time. All that we have can, as it were, take wings and disappear. Nothing in this world can give us the comfort we need in both life and death. Death is the great equalizer and no one can escape it. Again, the Heidelberg Catechism isn't speaking about just any comfort, but it speaks of our only comforts. And our only comfort with body and soul, both in life and death, is belonging to the Lord Jesus, our faithful Savior. The scriptures declare that comfort, 
The scriptures declare the gospel, the glad tidings for the totality of our existence. And surely that was the message of, of Isaiah 61, the, the Lord preaching good tidings. We might say the Lord preaching comfort to the poor, who are the poor, sinners such as we are. That the Lord came to heal broken-hearted people. Our hearts can only be healed by the comfort of the gospel. To proclaim liberty to the captives. By nature, we are held captive to our sin. And in Christ, there is that liberty. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, will 2024 be the acceptable year for us unto the Lord? To know what it is as we go down in the chapter that, that he has covered us with the robe of righteousness, his righteousness, his perfect obedience. What a comfort that must be to us. That he, in his generosity, gives us out of his grace the righteousness of his perfect obedience. This proclamation is not only for the hour at hand, it's for the year at hand. And this proclamation is not just for this world, but it reaches into eternity. The comfort that the Lord gives his people is a comfort that, that can give us peace during the difficult times in life as we think of frailties that bring us to our deathbed. There still can be the abundance of comfort knowing that the Lord Jesus is always with us. A comfort that gives hope no matter what happens to us, even in our dying breath. The believer knows that, that while death may be the last event, the final enemy to, to deal with in this life, it is always, it's also that doorway to the life to come. And, and what a wonder to confess that I belong to Jesus. He will keep me as his possession. That in him I will never be lost. That in the Lord Jesus I will always be secure. That in him I, I know my place. And that brings me great delight. It gives a great comfort. A comfort that gives strength even in the weakness of the final breath. To travel the journey. As we call it the journey of life. Now how is it that Jesus makes me belong to him? How is it possible the incarnate Son of God. The believer answers that question by declaring, Jesus has paid for all my sins. We were to make a record of our sins in the year gone by. How many pages would we have to fill? Sins of the mind and of the heart sins of the tongue, sins of the hands, sins of omission, sins of commission. Oh, what a, what a long list. And if we only had to look at that list, 
we would be paralyzed. We need to look on the page that declares, Jesus is my faithful Savior. His life of obedience was a life of faithfulness. He was faithful to the death, and his perfect obedience is my obedience. Christ's blood redeeming the Father's children, Jesus saving from the consequences of our sins. We all deserve hell. None of us deserve heaven. But to know that we belong because Jesus saves and Jesus saves. Now we've heard this many times. The question and answer one is not new to most of us. But it's so important that we be reminded of and encouraged in, in the foundational truths and that we be challenged to, to, to work with what we hear. Uh, sometimes we can say things to each other without uh, really appreciating the profound meaning of what it is that we then confess. And it's important for us uh, to to consider for ourselves and to consider for our life together as the congregation what does it mean to our hearts and our souls to confess that Jesus died to pay the cost of our sins if we went up and down the the aisles of the church this afternoon and asked her your response young and old alike how is it then that that we would respond like what is it that will we'll, we'll stream forth from our hearts in, in the confession that the Lord Jesus has paid. Does he own us his life? Uh, no. To think that he willingly laid down his life that for the sake of the Father's glory, for the salvation of the Father's children, he became an offering. He became my substitute. He stood in my place. He, he wore the crown of thorns for me. He, he suffered the thrashings for me. He, he shed his blood for me. He, he suffered for me. He died for me. Congregation, this Savior you must know in a personal way. You must know what it is to declare my Lord and my God. What it is to declare my Jesus, I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. I love thee for taking upon thyself God's wrath against my sin. Indeed, I will praise my dear Redeemer, thy triumphant power I'll tell how the victory thou hast given over sin and death and hell. Oh, sing of my Redeemer with his blood. He purchased me on the cross. He sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and made me free. What a glory. What a glory for the believer to confess. And, and confess it often, Lord, uh, congregation, in the year to come. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the power, from the tyranny of the devil. Not just some of my sins, one here and one there, but all of those sins, all of those sins to be set free. What a glorious liberty and what a comfort. 
But then for the believer, the comfort is still being piled on, as it were, still more. Jesus protects me in my salvation. There are those who who believe that they can lose their salvation and that they're in and then they're out and then they're heading to heaven and the next minute heading to hell. But the true believer, the believer who, who holds in God's grace the truth that God's word teaches, declares, Jesus protects me in my salvation. What he promises, he gives What he has accomplished for me can never be taken away. What he's gone forward to do, he has established. And so when what happens to me in life is is then quite secondary. Secondary to what Christ has already accomplished for me. My life may have all sorts of troubles and many of us know troubles and sorrows in life. Life will have its tears and its illnesses and its struggles and its ups and downs. Life will have its uh, interpersonal conflicts. But all of this pales in comparison to our confession with all things. And when we say all things, we mean all things. All things must work together for our salvation. We, we may not understand why certain things happen in our lives, but we know that God's sovereign love is a love that will never, ever let us go. If you're a child of the Lord, <laughs> you don't have to think, well, now God doesn't love me anymore. It's too much to love me. Jesus said about his elect sheep, I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And there is no power in ourselves apart from God's grace. If you and I had to depend on our own efforts to persevere, to be a preserving people, we would be lost a long time ago. We, we know that of, of our own character, of our own weaknesses, of our own sluggishness, God's preservating love ought to be such an encouragement to us that as we go forth, we could say, praise the Lord. The Lord will never let us go. But there's still more builds For as we continue to confess, Jesus by his Holy Spirit assures of eternal life. He assures me that I may rest and rely on his perfect work, his his finished work, his perfect obedience for the whole of life, right on into eternity. Now we're not speaking of fake assurance, pretend assurance, but, but the real stuff. True assurance that comes with the fruits of faith. Always the root brings fruit. The gift of true assurance is is a wonderful gift of comfort. Our young people, you you young people need to understand that even in your youth, when, when you're carefree as it were. Oh, oh, the assurance of faith to be given to the people of the Lord. What a gift confidence that belonging to Jesus is forever. 
The believer with the deepest gratitude knows what it is to declare, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, what comes next, forever. Forever is a long time. Praise be God and glory be to his name. Now the world, the world laughs, the world thinks that the kind of things that we're speaking of and listening to together is it's a bit odd. Uh, many in the world think that we're just oh, living a pipe dream. But now who is the world to talk? So much of the world is, is aimless, hopeless. Life but a giant maze. The obituaries in the newspapers are, are, are changing. And when you scan those obituaries, you, you, you notice that those who have passed from this world to the next really have had nothing to stand on. Oh, some of their so-called personal accomplishments are mentioned. Uh, some family uh, references are, are, are written in the obituary. But more and more, there's, there's no mention of gospel. There's no mention of, of a service at the church to, to uh, commemorate the promises of God. No, it's, it's emptiness, emptiness. For us, the certainty of God's promises, they are certain. It's a consolation that bears no equal. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. What a foretaste, oh glory divine. Our inheritance is secured. Our inheritance is salvation. Well, we hurry on to wrap up. All of what we have spoken of will say something about how we live. People who belong live like they belong. The same Spirit of Christ who assures of salvation is also working in those who belong, making the follower of Christ willing to serve him. Uh, to be sure, when we say that we belong to Jesus, we are saying, first of all, something about Jesus. We are saying that Jesus belongs to me because I belong to him. Uh, think, congregation, of what we are saying, the glorious reality of belonging. We all want to belong. No one wants to be left out of the group. We, to belong to Jesus is, is the most precious, precious reality of all of life. And, and what a blessed comfort. But then when we make this confession, then we are also wanting to say something about ourselves. We, we are wanting to say that Jesus has the first place in our lives. We are, we're saying that Je since Jesus died for his church, we'll live for his church. We're saying that Jesus has, has jurisdiction over our lives jurisdiction even about what we do on New Year's Eve. Jurisdiction about how we handle our business accounts. Jurisdiction of what it is that we, we put into the collection plate, whether that be first or second, if God loves a cheerful giver. Jurisdiction in how we handle our disagreements jurisdiction about the kind of work that we will be willing to do in the kingdom of our Lord and in the building of his church. Comfort always demands a response. 
for comfort to truly be comfort, there will be the, the, the sense, the reality of spiritual sweats. Yes, honesty demands that we're not always heartily, that is, eager and willing. Sometimes we're not so willing at all. Sometimes we're not too eager. Let someone else take care of it. Or do I have to do this too? Do I really have to go to a Bible study? Do I really have to bear witness to my faith? Is stewardship really that important? Oh, Christian education, well, that's, that's a bit of a burden, isn't it? Oh, discipling the children, well, you know, we just hope that they'll turn out all right. They'll learn to pray by themselves and they'll figure out what's right and wrong on their own accord. No, the privilege of belonging brings us to the responsibility of belonging. For that we need much grace, for that we need much prayer, for that we need to earnestly, earnestly seek the face of the Lord as we sang in, in our opening song this afternoon. Question and answer one gives us a, a wonderful blueprint for life. In Christ we may belong. And because we belong body and soul, we will desire with some sense of zeal and earnestness to make our lives count for Christ. May our prayer be, on Christ, by faith, my soul would live. From him, my life, my all, receive. To him, devote my fleeting hours. Serve him alone with all my powers. May our prayer be, Christ is my everlasting all, to him I look, on him I call. He every want will well supply in time and through eternity. Amen. Father in heaven, in prayer, we come before the throne of grace. We ask, Lord, by thy Holy Spirit, apply the teaching of thy word to our hearts and our lives. We are thankful, Father, that in the sending of thy Son, we may confess comforts. We may confess what it is that strengthens us in this veil of tears. And we thank thee, Father, that the children of the Heavenly Father may personally confess that, that Jesus makes me belong to him. Jesus has paid for all my sins. Jesus protects me in my salvation. Jesus assures me that his promise will not fail. Jesus makes me willing to serve him. So, Lord God, as we come to the close of the year, as we anticipate a year to come, Lord, those pages are already written for us. We, we do not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And we pray, Lord God, that we may go forth with conviction and purpose and confidence. That we may go forth, Lord, seeking thee and serving thee. That we may go forth in the joy of our Lord. And so, Father... Bless now what is awaiting thy blessing. 
Keep us in thy keeping care and hear us for the sake of our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.